Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, welcome in, everybody. Sorry there, Neil. We had a little technical issues there. I don't think nobody's joined us yet. Uh, we're, we're lost one of our streams here. I think we're good on a couple of them. Anyway, the main one is uh, the Rebel Grove one and uh, the Twitch football one. I guess there's a Facebook issue. And there are more technical issues there when you're dealing with these non-technical guys and myself. It is SEC football and beyond. I am Chris Landry. He is Neil McCready. Great to talk with you again as we're rolling into May, uh, as Memorial Day is right around the corner. Yet so much going on. I know that uh, we've got SEC baseball tournament starting out. We talked a little bit at the end of last year's show, uh, last week's show, Friday with Neil, kind of what he thought uh, on that. Certainly, I'll be keeping my eye on that. Um, Starts in an hour. Yeah, it's actually it's, it's starting in the morning. Uh, so 10 a.m. Central. That's right. It is starting. So actually, it'll be in 30 minutes. As a matter of fact, I think okay. the first game's at 9.30. Oh, 9.30 in the morning. Kind of like, uh, kind of like um, you know, uh, youth league ball now. When, 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 when kids come in, to, kids and their parents come into church with their baseball uniforms on. I see that. Early mass. And I'm like, oh, man. They, yeah. got, a, they got a game starting at 9 o'clock. This won't be an issue for all these guys. All these guys have grown up playing travel ball. They, they, they've played. They've played plenty of 9 a.m. games in their lives. So this this will – answering that bell and just rolling out and getting after it, that will not be a problem. Well, we've got a lot to – well, I say, you know, there's a lot um, – there's a lot of news, believe it or not, on the recruiting side. We don't get into the minutia and that. I know um, if you want to know a lot of the details, we hit on a lot of the big topics. I know over at Landry Football in our notebooks every day, talk a lot of it, uh, a little bit about – transfer news when it's when it's pertinent and certainly a, a ton of recruiting stuff visits and june is as i said we're wrapping up the end of month of may june's going to be a big month around uh, college campuses with people uh, visiting and whatnot also is the time we're really certainly putting together and grading all these teams and going through the spring practice tape as i have uh putting the previews of the teams up it's a good time to be Start talking about, you know, the best players returning in the league, how it plays out. Neil and I have gone through uh, a few teams uh, here or there. So we've uh, we've got a lot of stuff uh, to look for because before you know it, um, June will go as fast as May has. 
and then um you know we'll be july and it'll be you know getting ready and the countdown will be on for when uh, fall practices start um tj finley has selected and it's been rumored we talked to about it uh i guess a couple of weeks ago when it first came out i think we answered it in the chat room he has um selected auburn that's uh, where he's going to go very talented guy uh, the the situation at lsu didn't go well for him in the early stages, Neil, uh, last year. Max Johnson played better, you know, and, and he T.J. really struggled in the A&M game. Uh, unfair to him. I mean, just a little bit slow in decision-making, as young guys are. Max Johnson a little bit more mobile. Miles Brennan is back. And then the real kind of the unstolled story was that the coaches are in, at LSU are in love, and I've talked about it in my notebook uh, a couple of days ago with Garrett Nussmeyer's, uh, the, the Doug Nussmeyer son. So, you know, you're looking at best third, probably fourth, depending on the situation. And he was leaving, and he was kind of looking around. And so I'll kind of address that right away. He's going to Auburn, and somebody asked, Neil, what does that do for Bo Nix? It does nothing for Bo Nix. This is a kid that's got to learn how to play. This is this is a guy that they're going to groom and get reps and you know, could be the guy next year. He's physically gifted. He's huge. Doesn't move all. He moves well for a big guy. I understand that 240 pounds is going to move a lot different than two, 210 pounds, as, as we know, Neil. So big guy, strong arm, cannon for an arm. And I'm curious to see what uh, what Brian and the staff's able to do with him. That That's kind of the latest news. So Grind says, what's the percent chance that TJ Finley's the starter at Auburn game one? What's the percent chance he's the starter by game six or seven? He's not going to be the starter unless Bo Nix is injured or it completely collapses. And let me put it this if this kid's starting, Auburn's in a whole lot of trouble. That means that Bo Nix has really been awful and they've got no other chance because TJ Finley's not ready to play now. Again, he's fourth at LSU. Yeah, you know, he's, he, I mean, he, he's not, he's just not ready. You know, he needs time. He popped up on the Ole Miss list a little bit. List is the wrong word, but it's the first word that came to my feet mm-hmm. this morning. When when he first announced he was getting in the transfer portal and leaving LSU, um, I've got a friend who is close to that family. Um, and he said, hey, you need to be digging around on this a little bit. And I tried. I didn't really get anywhere because I don't think it ever really went anywhere. But Ole Miss was kind of on his list, and I think that, to me, acknowledged that he at least knew in the back of his own mind that, hey, I probably need a development year. Um, you know, I, I need I need to – because he's not – he wasn't going to come to Ole Miss, for example, and beat out a healthy Matt Corral for the, the starting job. But, uh, yeah, Auburn's an interesting fit for him because of the, you know, system that Harson runs and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I know a lot of Auburn people get super down on Bo Nix, and I, I know that he has not lived up to some of the the, the, the hype. But Nix is not has not been an awful quarterback for Auburn. You you could do a lot worse, in my opinion, than, than what he's done the, the past couple of years. Yeah, the problem's been development there. And I know he's, the initial thought is he was a legacy signing and, you know, and all that. He's He's got more talent than that, and he hasn't been properly developed. When you don't teach the passing game well, you don't teach protections well, you don't teach outlet routes, you've got some of the worst route running. It, that was, it was a systematic problem. 
not no not getting down on on Gus Gus was very good at teaching what he ran but it had to have certain parts to it that to make that work in in terms of being eclectic and doing multiple things and branching out of it that wasn't Gus's thing and so that was the problem there now it doesn't mean that Bo's at this stage Bo's like I hate to put it this way he's like a freshman he's just he's got experience and all that but he doesn't have an experience running what he's run he, he probably had better understanding of pass drops route concepts you know coming out of high school you know then he then he learned in in college because of the system that they ran it's a different system that's all i'm saying so i, I don't know that both the answer but i don't think tj's ready in fact i would say this I don't think Auburn's finish at the quarterback position. I think it's going to be tough for a recruit to come in and play. I don't know that T.J. Finley's the starter. Maybe the better question be, what's the chances of T.J. Finley being the starter game one next year? And I'd say no better than 50-50. I mean, I don't know why they sign him. Because he's in the mix. They don't have enough in the quarterback room. And we'll see. I don't know. I can't answer the question 50-50 because I do think recruiting – but I think another transfer, it depends upon the year, though. Uh, I think there are better quarterbacks out there that Auburn needs um, and probably will pursue to add to the room and just let it happen organically. It's not like, well, you choose this guy as a starter. No, you you get guys in the mix and let it develop. I, I think this kid is is really struggles from a seeing it and reacting to it and just mobility standpoint. But I will say this. I think that he's going to get more reps and more of a chance than he would have at LSU. As again, they like three guys better than, than him at this point. And, uh, you know, he's he's a good kid, and, I, you know, I, we'll see where it develops. Um, not a lot of big – just a lot um, – just on the general recruiting sense, uh, Georgia, and you can get the details out of it, um, Georgia – AM got big commitments over the weekend. I don't know, that's okay. Big, well, you want to learn about them and all that. Uh, we hadn't had a chance um, to talk about, um, you know, LSU, I think probably the best secondary in the country. Um, probably just got better over the weekend um, with with the transfer that comes in. Major Burns is a guy that can really help them. So uh, it's a good group. And we didn't have a chance to discuss it and would like to now. Uh, we talked a little bit about where, and I kind of had a feeling that Lane was going to be a little bit, um, was going to be a little bit off-putting finding certainly someone that was a little bit more established. I know he likes Jake Thornton, Gordon Webb offensive line coach, is now the new line coach at Ole Miss. Curious to see how this plays out. Um, late start and all that, and no spring practice. Um, but the, he certainly got. He's a good young coach. That's the key there, you know. And I think it's somebody that Lane has background with. That on that offensive side, you know who the offensive leader is, and and having the guy that was. The head coach is really comfortable with, which is always the case, but really, really somebody that uh, because that was the case, obviously, with the with the loss. In terms of experience and quality, it's a step down for him, and the timing's not good either.
Well, look, this has been one of these th stories that's frustrating to try to cover as a beat writer um, because there's no access at all. Uh, you know, we because of COVID and stuff, we don't know these people. Um, haven't haven't had an opportunity to, to get to know them at all. There's no mutual trust that's built up beat to coach and that kind of thing. So when this happened in um, late April, right after the spring game, when uh, Randy Clement was let go, you knew that something had happened. I heard a lot of different things. You didn't there, there's no way to completely vet everything that you hear, which as a reporter is frustrating. Sure. Uh, and then over the course of the last, what's it been? I guess not quite a month, um, almost a month. I knew they had talked to people, but there was no way to confirm it, who all they had talked to. And then sometimes, Chris, you don't know whether, so I get all these people that are like, was he the first choice? Was he the sixth choice? Was he the ninth choice? Like, I don't know. Because, because like, for example, and I won't, I won't, there was a veteran coach that I know that Lane Kiffin talked to. All right. But I don't know if that conversation was, Hey, do you want the job? Could I, can I get you to come here? Or if it was, Hey, let me run some names by you and get some thought or, or if it was a little bit of something in between. So is that an interview? I don't know. Is that a job offer? I don't know. And so it's, it's a difficult thing to answer. I do know that they brought several people to Oxford I don't know the exact number, and I don't know names to where I feel comfortable with them. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. I know I, I, I know some names, but I before I said, "Hey, so and so traveled to Oxford and interviewed for the Ole Miss offensive line coach job," I'd really want to talk to that person or someone close to that person and make sure that everybody knew about it. I would hate to cost somebody his job. I would I would hate to hurt somebody's employment. If it turns out that, hey, they came to Oxford, kind of did it on their own. It's kind of quiet. This happens in coaching, as you know, Chris. Kind of did it sort of quiet. It was more of a feeling out process where maybe it could have led to a job offer, but it didn't. It wasn't necessarily anything more than, hey, let's just talk ball for a, a couple hours and see what happens. Anyway, I do know that when Thornton came in, and I believe it was Friday of last week, they were blown away with him. They really liked him. Uh, Jeff Levy was in on at least part of the interview, really liked him. And within minutes of the conclusion of the interview, Lane Kiffin felt like he had his guy. Obviously, he's 28 years old. He's at Gardner-Webb. He's not going to turn down the Ole Miss offensive line coaching job. That's, that's too good of a step up. Uh, what's interesting to me about Ole Miss right now is that Lane Kiffin has had three, I guess three, maybe four coaching turnover, which is normal. That happens all over the country. He's gone really young on his staff, and I don't know whether that is by design or whether that has been by coincidence. I don't know whether that is because he felt like he needed more dynamic young recruiters on his staff and he was willing to trade some experience on the field for that or whether that even was considered. It's one of those things I haven't had a chance to talk to Kiffin at all about, but when we have a media opportunity, it's kind of what I'm interested in. I think knowing Lane as I do, uh, young because that's that's his background. He came in as a young guy, and, he, and so he believes in that. Um, I've been around where you can always tell people that are um, more open to young guys. Uh, what do you get with you? You, you lack experience. You get 
maybe more energy. You get a little bit more willingness to do things the way like like Belichick is was always and is always starting. He likes guys that are young. He doesn't want guys to come in with their ideas. Saban's kind of the same way. You, they want guys to come in. This is the system that we're going to run, and we want you to operate this. This is what we're going to call it. This is how it is. And young people, Bill likes to train his guys. So now he starts them out young. So, I mean, Josh McDaniels is an unpaid intern, you know, I mean, and, they, and they work their way through, and then they don't, like, come in. They, 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 you have to learn. You have to work the pads, as Bill called it. That means that means you got to do the calling, the breakdown. So you have to go through, like, a learning system. Uh, and I think Lane and, and people people will criticize Lane, you know, you know, in coaching, you know, oh yeah, born on third base, thought he hit a triple, you know, because of his dad. But Lane was very bright and kind of got opportunities and kind of kind of sold himself well and got early opportunities. Now we've talked about it before is a little bit as maturity issues. I think that Lane's biggest issues is just over the time, like at USC organization, staff. They were crap going on at USC he didn't even know about because he was worried about, you know, what the third down package is going to be. And you, you got to be different as a head coach. I think he's more conducive to young guys and, and, and doesn't want guys on the offensive side of the ball that particularly. But maybe is just that's going to come and say, Lane, you know, you know, I don't think he wants that. I think he likes suggestions, but I think he wants certain people. Um, and, and in this situation – it's it. I, there's no doubt that I'm sure he had several conversations. There's some people that are out of work, that are good line coaches. That could, is it a fit? Eh, maybe not a fit for them. Maybe not a fit for for um, for Lane. But there's no question that the timing narrowed this because for sure this ain't a place where you're gonna sit there and leave a pretty good job to go to Ole Miss now after spring. It's not. Your, your pool is less, and it has to be from a Gordner Webb type of guy. So the, the hire is somebody that he knows, he's comfortable with, but it's it's not, you know, I, I would say that if this decision was made, if if that the issues that led to the dismissal, if that had happened in January, I, I think it'd be a different line. I think it's fair to say it'd be different line coach, you know, hired today I, I don't know that you can't but can't prove that but my experience tells me that it would be it does not mean it's not good it doesn't mean it does, doesn't work and the other thing is again this is lane's baby on offense and jeff levy certainly guy that that's running it and all that jeff wasn't as you know wasn't real happy about the, the move that was made to move the coach but be that as it may randy's gone i wonder too sometimes on the defensive side he's a little bit more inclined to maybe kind of leave that to somebody else, but I think young guys are what he's about, and I've been around where, you know, you, people want the old grizzled vet that's been around, don't work as hard, maybe don't do this or that, but that's just kind of the way it is, and that's, that's so I'm curious to see, people might say, Neil, how is this going to affect the offense? The, the offense, I, I, don't, I don't feel it's, they're not going to change the blocking scheme, Right. you know, you're going to have, you know, a young guy coming in, and what impressed them is that he understands what the blocking scheme. He can run that. It can teach that, yep. and so that's why Jeff's on it. So it's going to be that. Now, 
it's a disadvantage for Jake not having a, a spring. You know, it would have been better for him if he could have gone through a few practices. Right. And, but, you know, there's there are ways to work around that. It's not like, oh, look out. Oh, this will average, you know, 18 points a game now. You know, no, it's not going to affect this offense. Well, but so it, every, it, it, every it, spring snap was recorded. I mean, he will he will be able to go back and literally watch. Now, he won't be able to recreate it with his interactions, but he will be able to go back and watch every single thing from the moment that they began stretching until they walked off the field at the end of every one of their 15 practices. He'll get to look at film. He will take, you know, there will be an advantage there. There will be a learning curve, but look, he's a, he's a young guy. He's a smart guy. He's, he's been at new jobs before. He, I don't think the learning curve will be the, the steepest thing. It's interesting that you say that because I think so much of, of what ultimately happened with Clement and, and Kiffin was Clement is a veteran coach. Um, established in his ways, established in his thoughts. There were things where he believed that uh, what Kiffin wanted to do was was um, not what's the word I'm looking for was was not the optimal way to use certain personnel, not the optimal way to develop certain personnel. Um, obviously, the buck stops with Kiffin. He's the head coach. He's mm-hmm. the, you know he's the guy that the, the W or the L gets hung on his resume at, at the end of the day, uh, and and so they disagreed. The mistake, and I, I suspect Kiffin, based on what I've heard, I, I think he would likely admit this. The mistake that he made was after the LSU game uh, when the regular season ended prior to the bowl game. If you go back and remember, he let uh, Deke Adams go prior to the bowl game. I think he wanted to let Randy Clement go at the same time. I don't think he And And Jeff may have kind of well, talked him out of it or yeah, he may have. Well, a couple things happened. A couple things happened. One, it's no secret here that um, Brian Harson. At, at Auburn, and I don't remember the exact dates on when Harson got the Auburn job, but Harson was very interested in hiring Levy and Clement as a team. Ultimately, he he got Bobo and um, I can't think of his name from South Carolina as a team. Yes, to come to Auburn, so he was very interested in bringing a a coaching group, if you will, to Auburn, and I. I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I can say it with a certain degree that's close to that, that Levy was his top choice. And I think there for a little while, Jeff Levy leaned pretty heavily towards going to Auburn. Ole Miss had a bowl game, and I think Levy at one point intended to leave the bowl game and go to Auburn. And then that changed, and I think in that process, that's where the decision to, hey, let's, let's give this some more time, let's give it another year, um, came to fruition with with Clement, and ultimately he stayed on, and you know the rest. So I suspect that, like with anything, things are complicated. But I suspect if you could go back and say, "Hey, you get a do over on this," he would do it. Do it earlier. He would have done it earlier. Yeah, and he would have done it in December, and Levy would have gotten over it in all likelihood, and they would, like you said, they would have been able to conduct a completely different kind of search. But to your point, you're exactly right, and the truth is, we won't. Is it a good hire? We won't know. There's no way. How can you say it's a good hire or it's not a good hire at this point? We'll certainly find out over the course of time, but it would have been a completely different search 
had he been able to conduct that search in, in early January as opposed to early May. Yeah, there's a reason why assistant coaching hires, head coaching hires, and assistant coaching hires it, it, it go at a certain time. I mean, nobody says, you know what, I'm going to wait after spring and then I'm going to decide. You, you, right. you, it usually is something unusual happens. I mean, Bob Stoops waited to retire late because he wanted to get Lincoln Riley the job, and I think he wanted to – and I think the administration, he had the administration – on his side with there, but so there wasn't any backlash of, well, you need to open up the, no, no, no. It's, it's kind of late. It was May, it was June and boom, you know, you don't ever want to do that. Probably that's another one that would Lane would say on experience. Yeah. You know what? Should have gone with my first cut. And, and again, and nothing, nothing, but if the head coach is the head coach and look, it, it does come down to that. And if you feel like it's the right move, you've got to do, you got to make tough decisions. And that's, that's the one area that uh, look. I I think that Lane is had has grown and has got to grow even more. Is hey, being a head coach and making those decisions, the timing of everything, doing things right. Look, it's uh, you don't have to agree with it. I, I can tell you, um, just to to fortify that. I don't know how many people are aware of this. So I'll mention this. People think you know you, you think about coaches and a lot of great coaches been fired. You know, people say that. Nick Saban never been fired. He actually has been fired once. He got fired at uh, 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 oh, where was it? It was a Big Ten school, right? I'll tell you, it's at Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State. So he's working for Earl Bruce. He's coaching the secondary. He's a young guy, and they're having a bad year by their standards. And they go and they play. Um, God, who do they play in the ball? Might have been one of the academy. Maybe it was Navy or something, and they just rolled them. Well, anyway, the whole thing, because Nick told me a story. He, you know, how Earl Bruce wanted that secondary coach, Nick had ideas of different. He was a young guy. Again, he was Nick Saban, but he wasn't Nick Saban. You know, he was a young guy, had his ideas, agreed vehemently on how it should be done. And it was, you know, he learned then after that, he told me that the head coach is the head coach. You have to you bring your points to the to the meeting. Coach, this is why, this is what's happening, this is what we you know, in the end the head coach says it and you have to move on. He didn't and he along with the entire defensive staff got fired after that bowl game, but he got fired. And um I know that um it's it's an example of it can happen and not all the well, the guy gets fired because the guy's not a good coach. The guy didn't do a good job. Very often, it's just what we're talking about. It's a guy that's a strong belief that, hey, this, we're doing it wrong. And particularly, I would say this, if you had a defensive version of Clement with an idea, then then there'd be a lot more, Lane would not be hands-off, but He's not as tied to, you know, certain things on that side. He might let that go and let the defense coordinator kind of make sure that that's working right. You know, a, a defensive line coach said off it. But the offense, you're not going to convince him that the blocking scheme, because I know what it is and what the offensive line coach wants to do, and there are things that offensive line coaches are not going to like by the way that Lane runs it. Well, you know what? Don't go coach for because <laughs> – he going to run that the way he wants to. He's the head coach, 
but he's also the guy that believes in his system more than anybody, and, and he's going to run that system. With He's going to let Jeff run it, and that's just – you're not bending that. You're not going to bend that. I think the strength that Saban has developed over the decades is something you just referenced. I've heard this from a number of people who have worked with, with Nick Saban. They'll have a meeting, and Saban's a very good listener. He takes things in. He listens. He's not uh, – <coughs> He's not one of these guys who's not willing to listen to a different idea. Uh, he encourages coaches to to bring their ideas to the table. He listens. But at the end of the meeting, he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And that's that. Everybody walks out of that room knowing this is the plan for Saturday. This is the plan for X game. This is the plan for this approach. Whatever the case may be. There's there's no ambiguity at the end of the meeting as to whose whose program it is, what the plan is, but guys feel like when they leave that room that they were heard. And and you know, for a lot of people that's important. Hey, I have a thought here. This is something I feel passionately about. I at least want you to hear it. And I think that happens in those meeting rooms. And look, I, I suspect Nick Saban would tell you that in his very early days at Michigan State, he wasn't as good at that as he is today at Alabama. No doubt. That no is, doubt. That is a learning curve. No doubt. And the coaches respect, and, and it's easy to say the coaches respect Nick Saban because he's won all those titles. They respect him because the guy puts in the work. He is an X's and O guy. He understands offense from a defensive perspective. And so he really challenges those offensive coaches. And then defensively, how I, how they call things. Bill O'Brien, I don't care who you are. You're coming in there. You're Mr. New Coach. You're going to learn how they call it. You have to adjust to them. Whereas in some cases, the new coach will come in and they'll change the terminology, how they call it. Well, they got to make everybody else in the building learn their way. No, no, no. You go there. You learn their Alabama's way how to do it. And the coaches respect the football acumen of Bill. Neil and everybody out there listening, not every head coach is the same type. So, like, if you're certain coaches that are a good head coach that have had success and won titles, but you're not a great X's and O guy, the offense coordinator, the defensive coordinator – do not respect you. They may show you respect as a head coach, but they don't respect your knowledge of line play, of, you know, whatever, secondary play. And therefore, it's like, I just, I know more than you. And you're telling me, and you know, so that type of head coach has to be careful to gather the information, listen to the right people, and say, look, this is what we're going to do, and explain it why. Whereas with Nick, he kind of cuts through the clutter because he's kind of the top football guy there. Whereas, I'll just say it, and I'm not trying to be rude. Dabble Sweeney is the head coach. He's the top guy there. He's not the top football guy there. He's not even, never called plays. He's, you know, so in terms of how Brent Peace is going to do what, uh, Brent Venables is going to do what he's going to do. And, and, and on offense, you know, Dabo, he knows what they're doing, but he ain't he's not he's not somebody that would just pick up and you know step on people's thoughts because I think he knows that there's a limit there. So hey, we got a bunch of yeah. questions as we're talking about. Let's get to some of the 
some of the conversations. So let's get to this question. Well, people like it when we do these kind of uh, take a quick look at a schedule. We've been talking about Ole Miss. Let's start with them. We'll go to LSU after that. They'll get questions about both of them. So I found a uh, – it, it's on my message board, rebelgrove.com. Uh, we're, the the over-under on wins for Ole Miss this season, one, one uh, betting – booking – Betting house, I guess, whatever the word is, uh, had it at six. I was like, whoa, that's way too low. The next one came out at, at South Point, Las Vegas, put it at seven and a half, which I think is about right for Ole Miss. And they have a handful of Ole Miss games where the, the bet, these are the betting lines, Chris, today. If you were to go to South Point, Las Vegas, and go into the casino, uh, Ole Miss is an eight point favorite today over Louisville, a 22 point dog to Alabama. Ole Miss LSU is a pick. Just Vegas. Wow. Vegas views it as a coin toss. Wow. Ole Miss is a six-point favorite at Auburn, which feels like a huge line to me. Ole Miss is an eleven-point favorite over uh, Liberty. And if you want to bet the Egg Bowl today on May the twenty-fifth, you can in Las Vegas. You'll have to if you take Ole Miss, you better lay. You have to lay seven points. So let's go through the Ole Miss schedule. I want to get your thoughts on on it. <clears throat> You don't have it in front of you, probably. I'll read. No, I don't. So I, 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 and what I like to do is I like to listen, and okay. I will put them in, in uh, like this is really scientific. I put them in the one loss column or kind of in the middle and you for know, discussion. Given what else happened with COVID, I think what you just described is every bit as scientific as a lot of the stuff that uh, is getting past. These <laughs> Got my pencil and paper. <laughs> All right. Ole Miss opens on Labor Day night in Atlanta against Louisville. That's September the 6th. That's a, a national televised game. Big big first weekend of uh, TV games, Alabama and Miami and Georgia and Clemson and uh, Ole Miss and uh, Louisville is the, the, the final game of, of that weekend, Labor Day night. Five days later, Ole Miss at home opener against Austin P. Then on September the 18th, Ole Miss at home against Tulane. Uh, Ole Miss gets a weekend off after Tulane. And then on October the 2nd, they get rewarded with the trip to uh, Nick Saban in Alabama there in Tuscaloosa. On October the 9th, Ole Miss is home against Arkansas. On October the 16th, they wrap up the first half of the schedule at Tennessee. That's October the 16th at Tennessee. Uh, October the 23rd, I just noticed this, Ole Miss is home away, home away, home away for a little while. October the 23rd, Ole Miss is at home against LSU in a game that uh, Vegas believes is a pick em. On October the 30th, Ole Miss is at Auburn. And then they go into the month of November, November the 6th. This will be an obnoxious hype week game. Some of the national media will – some of the lies that they will tell this this particular week will be stunning. I'm, I, I, I can't decide if I can't wait or if I dread it. Uh, Ole Miss plays Liberty on November the 6th in Oxford. Then they play Vanderbilt on November the – I'm sorry, not, not Vanderbilt. Texas A&M on November the 13th in Oxford. That's a little bit of a difference, Neil. You know, Vanderbilt A&M. <laughs> they, they do get Vanderbilt a week later in Oxford. The three <laughs> home games in a row in November. Liberty, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, three home games in a row in Oxford. And then on Thanksgiving night, Ole Miss and Mississippi State get together in the Egg Bowl. The game is in Starkville this year. Well, a couple of things jump out at me. I, I like the schedule. Uh, I think the schedule is favorable. Um, 
I think that there's um, a real opportunity to. Oh, and by the way, Chris, I'm wrong. Auburn's a six-point favorite over Ole Miss, not the other way around. I apologize. Okay. Um, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't make on a difference on how I was looking at it. However, I will say this: um, like the schedule, Louisville's still rebuilding, challenging. Austin P. Now Tulane. Expect them to win this game. Folks, and we'll get into this a little bit more. I'm gonna, I don't want to detour too much. Two really good defensive linemen at Tulane, NFL players. So watch out for Tulane a little bit this year. Willie's done, two up there. Willie's done a, just a terrific job. really is. Yeah. Um, I think Ole Miss is more talented than Arkansas. Folks, it's, all I can do is kind of go over the teams that are a little bit more talented. I can't, sure. I can't judge into – because people will look at, oh, but I, I can't tell you healthy and momentum and things. Sure. Definitely better than Tennessee. So, I mean, I think there are five wins there. Um, Liberty's going to be a challenge because it could be a shootout and you got to get some stops. You should. And then you, you hide your head if you can't beat Vanderbilt. Uh, that's seven wins there. Um, I do think Auburn is intriguing. I think that's a swing game to me. I mean, I think that could go either way. But I want to. In fairness, I want to see Auburn. Um, I, I think Auburn's talent, the, there is a, a prevailing thought. Auburn's always better than Ole Miss. Well, talent-wise, they usually are. Right now, the talent gap is not as much as you might think. So that's a challenge. I think Alabama and A&M are, you know, something, something badass to happen to them. I also think LSU is quite a bit better than Ole Miss. Now... Everyone will throw where it could be chaos. It could well. I don't know how to predict. You know, if LSU if LSU plays if if Ole Miss plays their A plus game and LSU plays their B minus game, LSU wins. There's that much talent different in my mind. But if LSU's discombobulated, they're turning the ball over, they're disorganized. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. But it has to be that, and you know, I don't know to predict that is kind of difficult. Uh, sometimes you can see it coming, and and then I could see a scenario. Look, I'm I'm fully aware. I live in Baton Rouge. I'm fully aware of the potential issues if you're off to a bad start and how things could fall apart. So, I, look, I'm not writing that off. I'm just telling you from a talent standpoint that LSU LSU is still overall more talented than AM. and AM, I think, is better organized, but. LSU is the second most talented team in the West. They've recruited at a really high level for years. It makes sense. I mean, they have they have uh, NFL prospects all over their roster. Now, you know, like you said, they're, and it is almost impossible on May the 25th to say, okay, on October the 23rd, which is, what is that, five, basically five months from today, on October the 23rd, LSU is going to be uh, team chaos or not. Certainly, the, the, there are a lot of the elements in place for them to be a chaotic program by October the 23rd. But that doesn't mean that they will be. It just, who knows, right? So we, I'm with you. I, so when I look at Ole Miss's schedule, I look at two games off the top and I go, I don't think Ole Miss can beat Texas A&M right now. I don't think they match up with them at the line of scrimmage. And I don't think Ole Miss can beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Doesn't mean that they won't or that crazier things don't happen. But if you're predicting those games by chalk, it, those are to me those are easy to call. I think Ole Miss beats Louisville. 
I think they beat Austin P. I think Tulane is a is, is a fun game to watch, but I think Ole Miss is better than Tulane. I think Ole Miss will beat Arkansas at home. That game has kind of become this home – whoever's the home team sort of wins it kind of a thing. I think Ole Miss beats Tennessee. I think LSU is a swing game. I think Auburn is a swing game. I think Ole Miss beats Liberty. I think Ole Miss beats Vanderbilt. And I'm I'm not as I'm not as as willing to just go Mississippi State. That's a W because you see the way that that rivalry game plays. Oh out. wait, you know what? You didn't mention Mississippi State, and I, I forgot to mention it. Oh, that, I, I, I didn't, uh, and I didn't, I didn't talk about Mississippi State because I don't think you mentioned, or I didn't hear you mention it. Yeah, that's obviously the end. It's the last game. I would put that as a swing game, believe it or not. Uh, I, I think that I still would favor Ole Miss, though. I think Mississippi State a little bit better. But, yeah, no, I would. So that's that's, a, that's an eight win to me. I think I would probably give them a – no, look, here's the thing. Most talented team in, in putting the coaching and how good the team's going to be. LSU, as I said, talent-wise, very good on the lines of scrimmage. Best secondary in the country. New coaches – a lot of off the field issues, so yeah, it could be a situation. I will say this: that if it's um, that that, but it just in terms of talent, that's all I can go by. That's no, that's a that's a huge difference. People will say, "Well, last year, what?" And, and Georgia Roberts said, "Well, last year was a disaster for LSU. It was a completely disorganized, dysfunctional team. If you get that again, well, then yeah, all bets are off." You know, we'll go to go through the LSU schedule too. We can take that into a collapse where they lose four games. But but it has to be that because from a talent standpoint, there's only there's only in the West, only Alabama is better. AM is better coached and I think maybe a better team, but LSU's more talented than AM. So and that's all I'm talking about. Just pure talent. Coaching matters. Yeah, here's the part that's here's the part that's almost impossible to predict, right? Is that I, I can I could put on a pair of this isn't even red and blue glasses. This is I could I could do this pretty objectively. Ole Miss beats Louisville, beats Austin P, beats Tulane, three and oh. They they get a weekend off, they go to Alabama, it's on national TV, and they 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 play them within 10 points. Lose to Alabama, come back, beat Arkansas at home, big crowd, go to Tennessee and win the Kiffin game and all that stuff. There's at that point, what, five and one when LSU mm-hmm. comes to town? LSU comes to town in late October and the Grove is absolutely packed and the town mm-hmm. is crazy from Wednesday on and there's this momentum and you can feel it and all that stuff. And sometimes all of that stuff in a home field is worth four, five, six points. And maybe that gets you over the hump against an LSU. And then you go to Auburn and all that stuff. It's the part that like you're talking about, you're doing this the right way, which is just pure talent. The part that you, this, and the reason that sports are fun, especially college sports, is that there's no way on May the 25th for you to accurately, without just really guessing, for you to say, and here's what it's going to feel like in late October. Because who knows, right? Who, who knows what injuries are and that kind of thing. I mean, the scenario I just painted is pretty realistic, and that's a 5-1 and one Ole Miss team. Hell, mm-hmm. game days in town, the whole shooting match, right, on October the 23rd, and, and it's – it's crazy, and and you know you've seen that environment before, and and uh, that 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 can be a game changer. And then maybe after that you go to Auburn and you're a favorite, but you have a letdown because you've you've expended so much emotional in, uh, in, um, energy the week before, and 
you lose to Auburn or, or you beat Auburn and then you come home and they try to get you all geeked up for the Hugh Freeze Bowl and the kids can't get into it. I mean, there's no way to – that's the beauty of sports. So that's why it's fun. I look mm-hmm. at them. I look at them, and I think they're an eight and four, nine and three team. I think it's going to be a really good Ole Miss team. I don't think the roster is quite ready to make that leap that into the elite. I, don't, I just don't think they're there yet. I think most people close to the program would tell you that, but I do think the schedule is pretty favorable. I think they're going to be very good at quarterback. Uh, I think they're going to be pretty good up front on the offensive line if they can stay healthy, and I think they're going to be much improved on defense, but. Are they improved enough? I don't know. They'll be better, but you have to be better because last year defensively, Ole Miss was awful most of the time. Yeah, and to and God, we really appreciate all of you that are um, joining us in the chat room, Georgia Reb and Grind and Nola Jack and, and Sean Jones. Sean question a little bit ago about do you think D.J. Durkin will improve the Ole Miss defense if they added depth? We just hit it. It's personnel. D.J.'s a really good coach, big believer in him. But it's about how much better will this defense be. And so, like, when you're talking about, okay, can you pull the upset of LSU or pull the upset of – I mean, not going to do that against Alabama. And I don't think A&M – and you say, well, wait a minute. If A&M is not as quite as talented as LSU – well, A&M's a little bit better – is better coached, and LSU's got some issues. Um, can you come up with stops? Because I think this Ole Miss offense will score and, and, and will find a way, even when there's mismatches against them, to create tempo advantages. But can you get some stops? And so that's going to be the key. So it's a it's a part of what, what we'll see, uh, how good DJ will do. I think he'll do a very good job. I just don't know how far this defense will be better, how much better. You know, again – Everyone looks at, well, you better or not based on the record. That's not really the case. It's, are you better or not? And sometimes it translates into a better record. Um, But, you know, there's, when you look at a team, you also have to look at the relative improvements of who you play. It's it's a lot easier to play this game um, in college in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's impossible in the NFL, rather. But, you know, I do think that there's going to be some intriguing matchups. Mississippi State's going to be, could be for that eighth win or ninth win, you know, depending on how things go. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, um, but it's going to be, be a lot of fun. Um, uh, All right, surprised they were- to hear how high Chris is on Mississippi State. Now, I'm not high on Mississippi State. I just think they're better. Like, for example, when we're talking last year, at this time, one of the things that really concerned me <clears throat> about LSU is that I thought Bo Pelini and Ezra Ogeron was an all-in-water matchup. Well, I didn't expect Mississippi State to score like, you know, you know, 1,200 yards in a game, you know, week one. You know, LSU's defense collapsed. It was discombobulated. And that's I don't think that's going to happen this year because it was a everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Younger coaching will be better. I don't know how good. Um, I think Mississippi State's going to look better. The offense is going to be better. I do think they lose some key points on defense. I'm not a big believer in Mississippi State with Mike. I just think that their their offense is going to come into more consistency this year than in um, in the past. And you can't Mississippi State Ole Miss. I mean that's that is a neither one of those teams. Rarely has won a 
been just decidedly better than the other. I mean, they're they're close enough to where that game and the importance of the game and the hatred and the competitiveness usually kind of makes that competitive even when one team is, you think, 10 points better. It's usually closer. We'll talk about LSU schedule in just a minute. First, I want to tell you we're brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with fast and easy buying experience from services to products blue sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available they even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience a smile can say it all and at blue sky they want to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience they'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that so check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. Alpha is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated. Load Trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market today, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. For podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100, a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, Hitches, winches, straps, and more. Alpha also does all types of truck accessories. And listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full-service shop where they can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. So give them a call, 601-932-9798, or check them out at alphaofms.com. All right, Chris, we... Hey, real quick, answer a question real quick, because I think who was is asking about first-year coaches, and we went over Auburn's schedule, but somebody was asking about South Carolina. Um, we already went over South Carolina, but real quick, in case you weren't with us, I mean, you look at the schedule. East Carolina, Eastern Illinois, Eastern Carolina, Troy, Vanderbilt, and that's the only sure wins. I mean, Tennessee's a, you know, toss-up. Georgia, Kentucky, A&M, Florida... I think Missouri, um, and I think even Auburn, um, you can throw that in a swing game. I think Auburn will be better, personally. I, I think Auburn will be a lot better in South Carolina. I think Clemson, I mean, I, you're, you're, I don't think you're beating anybody with the possible exception of Tennessee. I mean, I, I think you that that is a program that's got, and I love Karen Harris, Kevin Harris, the running back. I, I think that's a program that's got a lot of rebuilding to do. Um that's some thought. Also, before we get it, I know you have some thoughts on this. Jeff Parrott asked, so what does Coach O have to do this year to stay off the hot seat? Could y'all go through that schedule? We went through, we're going to go through that in, in a second. So let's go to that and then okay. we'll, we'll do we'll do LSU and then we'll talk about Coach O's situation here. All right. LSU opens on September the 4th at UCLA, that game in uh, in the Rose Bowl. On September the 11th, LSU gets home opener against McNeese. September the 18th, also in Baton Rouge, LSU hosts Central Michigan. 
LSU's SEC opener is in Starkville on September the 25th at Mississippi State. The SEC home opener a week later, October the 2nd, LSU entertains Auburn there at Tiger Stadium. October the 9th, LSU is at Kentucky. October the 16th, uh, LSU and Florida renew their rivalry this year in Tiger Stadium. It's been a wild series. October the 23rd, uh, the aforementioned Ole Miss-LSU game in uh, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford. LSU gets the week off uh, October 30th before going to Alabama on November the 6th. On November the 13th, uh, LSU entertains Arkansas. A week later, Terry Bowden and ULM, good God, uh, make the trip to Baton Rouge for uh, that game November the 20th. And then uh, LSU wraps up the regular season on November the 27th at home against Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. Well, um, to me, it's pretty clean um, schedule. I mean, I think it's a um, – I think Alabama's more talented and better coached. I think A&M's better coached. Um, remind me here, it's in Baton Rouge, right, A&M? Yes, A&M's in Baton Rouge. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. <clears throat> um, but I, 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 right now, I, I certainly like – the coaching and, and I think A&M is just getting better and better. And, and I think the talent levels close LSU and A&M. Um, I think the swing games at Kentucky, we'll see what type of shape Kentucky's in. LSU probably wins that. Yeah. Florida is in. It's in, it's in LSU. It's in, in yeah. So <clears throat> I do think, you know, I would maybe give LSU a slight edge in, in those two, but, they call them swings. I don't see the Ole Miss game as a swing game. I, I see that as a if LSU's collapsing. Yeah, I think I think a lot of things. Well, I don't think a lot of things can happen. I think you know. I think Ole Miss and Auburn, or you know, yeah, could could happen. I think coaching and just dysfunction is the whole issue at LSU. I think in, in talent level, and and that folks, that's. Look, LSU's a lot more talented than Mississippi State, and they got blown out week one. So, again, that's the whole point of how's like this going to be. This is a – this, to me, is a um, talent level. It's a 10-2 and two team. I mean, they're, they're more talented than everybody other than Alabama A&M, and I do think Florida is capable, and coaching there could take that to 9-3. and three. But it's the – it's the thing that we've talked about and we'll get into the, well, what does Ed need to do and the situation and look, but let's address that's kind of the off the field and, and the, the other shoe to drop this or that. I mean, and it, it's no different than any other place. If they're having success on the field, it'll be excused. Oh, he wasn't aware of it. Other people will be thrown under the bus and everything's sunky gore. Just like, you know, Les Miles was, they were aware of all the things that he was doing, and when it was going well, they were fine. There was one guy, the athletic director, didn't like Les Miles, never did, and was wanted to run him out, Joe Oliva, but, but he was overruled because they were having enough success at LSU at that time. If Ed's struggling, if there's some dysfunction, if they lose to an old Miss, if, they lose, if there's a four-loss season, there's going to be a lot of movement to take that whatever 
he knew or didn't know. Yeah, you know, get he's a dirty guy. You know, so it that that's that whole thing is going to be as it always is, particularly going to be lied to, down to the whole issue of what is the performance on the field. Look, it's it's LSU is one of those teams where talent wise they're really good. LSU's not. They're different. They're not Alabama. You know, they won the title two years ago and had an unbelievable run. But they're not consistent. They're not Georgia. They're not even AM is on the move. And you see the steady, so good foundation. LSU's the, you know, it's not the foundation. There's there's you know, they step on the wrong step and fall through the floorboards, or you know, I mean you don't know what's what's there. Talent level, though, they're very good. They're, they're more talented than Ole Miss. They're more talented than Auburn. They're more talented than Arkansas. Um, even more talented than Florida. Not by as much. More talented than Kentucky. So I think that I would say that, you know, maybe 9-3 and three, uh, and, and maybe the Florida You know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they stabilize things and with the young coaches, both sides of the ball, um, you know, talent level-wise. This is a 10 and 2 team. Um, but I'm curious to see where they go because 10 and 2, I, I have the feeling that maybe they won't reach that because maybe they'll trip up. I don't see them pulling an upset because that would be you got to upset Alabama. Maybe, maybe you can beat AM if AM's having some issues, quarterback or what have you. But I could see them more likely being upset than upsetting one of the two teams that are that are just as good or better than they are. So I look at them and I see like you on paper they're 6 and 0 when Florida comes to town October the 16th. That's what they should be. And if they are, there is no chaos because like you said, if you're winning big and you're 6 and 0 and you're fourth or fifth in the country or whatever in the polls, nobody's firing anybody. I mean, not unless there's some photographic proof. But there are a couple of games in that mix that I look at and go, hmm, like at UCLA, a lot of pressure on Chip Kelly at UCLA to get it done. Uh, You got to go win that game. At Mississippi State, you saw what happened a year ago. I know that doesn't mean anything, but, you know, State's going to be geeked up for LSU when they come to town. Yeah, that'll be one you probably can bet. They will that Mississippi State's probably in trouble in that game because of what happened last year, unless unless again the wheels have completely come off. Right. I agree. I think that's a you know what I mean. So if I tell you if the football gods come down and tell me, hey man, when 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 Florida goes to Baton Rouge, LSU's four and two. I'm like, oh god, it something's bad there. It's they the wheels are coming off. There is yep. there there is chaos there. They they're unable to get on the same page. Ed's in trouble. The 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 that's what I mean. Yes, I think they're six and zero. Oh. To me, I look at it. I, I do see Florida as a swing game. I do see Ole Miss as a swing yep. game. I don't think LSU wins in in Tuscaloosa. LSU beats Arkansas. It beats ULM. And and if you made me pick today, and again, this is November the twenty seventh. For God's sake, this is half a year away. I, I would I would. I'd probably pick A&M to beat LSU just because I, I if, if you made me bet today on May the 25th, I would bet that Jimbo's team and program 
is a little steadier on November the 27th than Ed's and, and LSU's. Yeah, I got got Florida as the, I got a I got a win line, loss line, and I got a an in between. That's a swing, and I, I think Florida is the swing, and I think uh, Alabama and other losses in terms of a roster. But I'm with you. Um, I do think Ed needs to beat Ole Miss, and what I mean by that is I think I think that's a that's where it becomes an issue because I think four losses becomes that area where they're going to sit there and say, this is, this is not, you know, that here's, here's the reality of it. People look at, he's still living off of what's real. And this is again, the true dynamic of, of Ed's program is LSU two years ago, the real thing or last year. Uh, the answer is both. Yeah. You own both. Yeah. You know, it's it's why there's going to be inconsistency with Ed. Ed falls into that category of a guy that's not a great X's and O guy. In fact, he's very, very poor. He's a good recruiter. He's a good salesman. So he lives and dies with who he hires. Well, he didn't get his top two, three, four defensive coordinators. Doesn't mean, again, that it will work or don't work. He's got a guy from the... Joe Brady lineage that he brought back on the offense. I think things will be better organized on both sides, even though they're younger. I just don't think they're going to be dynamic and everything's going to fall in place like two years ago. Um, I don't know. If you ask me, does it have a chance to be like 2008 and two years ago? No. That that, that was the one-off. It's more likely to go the other way and be more of a collapse but I don't think it's going to be either one. I think it's going to be somewhere in between, and I think they're going to be probably trying to do, ring in hands on what to do and where to go and how to deal with this because that's what you're going to get with that. You're not going to get consistency. Look, I I think, for example, and I've mentioned this to you before, you know, the people that will criticize George and Kirby Smart, that program is rock solid. They're there every year. All you want to do is be in contention every year. You don't want to be roller coaster. You don't want to be like Ed. You don't want to be like Gus with Auburn, in my mind. And that's his my mind. Maybe the fans' mind, it's different. You know, yeah, I'm not saying that you're not thrilled to win the national title two years ago if you're an LSU fan. But in the football world, it's about consistency. All you want is to be in a position to win. You can't win a championship unless you're in a position to win. And I think if you're there and you're really good and you got maybe a couple of things that you've got to tweak and fix, like, for example, with Georgia, I think Kirby's a young head coach that's trying to learn you got to open up the offense a little bit more. We're going to see if he's figured that out. I kind of think he has, and I think he will. And I think that's everything from recruiting to, to, to how they're coaching it, what they're doing it. So I think that's an easier fix. That is a tweaking it. That's a bad battery. You plug it in. And you know, I mean, you, you're in good shape. Whereas with Ed, it's just, it's so much, in, 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 in with Gus, it's so much in, up and down, and it's, it's a roller coaster. So to me, I don't like the roller coaster. It's a hit or miss. It's like just you don't know what you're going to get. I know what I'm going to get out of Georgia. And it's to me... He's either going to take that next step or not. But to me, as long as he's in a position, they're in great shape because 
They're not only recruiting well, they develop well, they coach well on defense. They've just missed some things on offense. But you know what? We're living, Neil, in the world, I was thinking about this, we're living in the world that if it was the modern day and we could we could take today's modern day world, Joe Paterno wouldn't have lasted very long at Penn State. Tom Osborne would have been fired at Nebraska. Right. Uh, John, John, John Wooden would have been fired at, at UCLA. Bobby Bowden would have never made it to where he won two titles. All of these guys, I think we tend to forget, or maybe people just don't know. Football people look at, like, for example, Georgia and say, that's consistently good. That's the second best program in the league, consistently yeah. there. Sure. Now they've got to fix it with part is, is if they don't, then they're going to be hearing 1980, 1980, and they haven't done it. But I think they're right there, whereas I, I think, to me, the two programs that are the got the best future are Georgia and A&M. And I'm not picking one out of each. I'm saying that's the two best because I think Jimbo's there for the long haul. I think Kirby's there for the long haul. Nick, obviously, you know, hey, he may outlive us all, but, I mean, he's not, you know – and then Ed's up and down all the I think Dan will 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 probably jump at some point, you know. Um and I like what he does, but unless they're recruiting top five, that's gonna be a frustration thing for him. So I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see. LSU is gonna be really intriguing watch this year, as everybody is. Um I think, you know, I think this is kinda kinda how I see it. I think LSU is gonna be fascinating. I don't think the UCLA game, I mean, it's, it's pressure on, on Chip, but not to win this game. That would be huge for him if he won it, and it would be a real side, um, a bad sign, a, a, a maybe the first wheel starting to come off sign if they were to lose that game because I don't see that happen. I agree completely. Um, Chris, you and I, I meant to tell you this in the pre-show. I have a um, I have a Rivals.com workshop Friday morning that I have to attend virtually. So I'm going to be out of pocket on Friday. I don't know whether that means we'll have a show Friday or not. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on and talk with the, the people if they want to join us. We'd love to have you there. And then I'll be back on Tuesday. So for me, uh, everyone have a great week. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to I'm going to turn the big green egg on on uh, on Saturday or Sunday and, and see what happens. Have a little fun. Uh, have a little fun with the big green egg and whatever happens to go on it over the course of the weekend. So hope everybody has a safe weekend. I'll be back with you on Tuesday. Chris will be back with you on Friday. Thanks to everyone for being a part of the show. All the comments in the thread, as uh, as Chris mentioned earlier, we certainly appreciate it. So until next time, for Chris, I'm Neil. Take care. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.